Welcome to the Christian Ministry Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Now for today's sermon by Pastor Tim Brooks. Amen, 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 you bet. Thank you all, thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Thank you for leading us into worship. Well, we're ready to receive the word. Instead of marching through life as conquerors, Many people meander through life as wanderers, never enjoying the fullness of what God has provided for us. And and it's been obvious to me for all the years that I've been ordained and in the ministry that, that God's people so often don't live the life that God provided for them. And, and that that saddens me, and and to be truthful with you, that pretty much consumes me. Throughout my day, I see things, wait, that won't work. I need to teach on that. No, you can't do that. That won't work. We need to talk about that. We need to cover that. Uh, And and it's, I, I I get these practical applied life messages because I see the need for us to live in the blessed place that God has for us. Because what was lost through sin was returned to us through the blood of Jesus. So many then have the keys to a Rolls Royce and never drive it. They have the keys to a mansion and never live in it. God has is, God is given us life and life more abundant. Everybody agrees on that. Well, why are so many Christians that go to church every time the doors are open are miserable, lonely, unhappy, not enjoying life, live in fear, or live in worry, or live in anger, or live in frustration, or live in lack, or live in poverty? Why, why do so many Christians have marriage crises, live bitter, Uh, And that saddens me because we have been given life and life more abundant. Years and years ago, I just, I I got so frustrated seeing God's people live less than what God had given them. I guess it just put me on a mission. And that's just how I see everything that I write to talk about. Here, don't, don't do that. Here, do this right here. No, don't, don't go around that mountain. How long are you going to do that? You've been going around that mountain for 40 years. Could we make a change? Let's go this way. I want to see people get sick and tired of being sick and tired and get so angry about it, I'm willing to change. Too often, we don't want to be in this state, but we're unwilling to do anything about it. And and I'm just constantly asking myself, God, how do we get people to move into the promised land? And my constant prayer, even for my own life, is keep me from a direction that seems right. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed right, but the end would be death. Keep me from going in that direction. Keep me from making those decisions. Oh, it was a good decision. Seemed like the thing to do. Well, it, why'd you do that? Well, it seemed right. See, it seemed right, but the end is death. That's not the way I want to go. As I listen to sermons, I can't help but study the outcomes. 
oh, that was a good sermon. Well, I don't know if it was a good sermon or not, but I'll know in six months from now. So I want to see what does that produce in the people's lives that heard it. I don't want to just amen, oh, amen, that was a good sermon. Okay, well, well, we'll know in six months if it was a good sermon. We will know down the road if that was good. Now, I want you to hear this, and I want everybody in our church to hear this. Regardless of anything that you were led to believe in another church that you grew up in, the victorious Christian life is not a once and for all deal. The victorious Christian, just come down front, take the preacher's hand, and you're good to go. Regardless of what you've heard, the life of a Christian is not smooth sailing. All, all you got to do is confess Jesus is Lord and all of your problems are over. It, the, the, the victorious Christian life is a series of conflicts and victories. Conflicts and victories in your life as we live our life defeating one enemy after the next. One enemy after the next. And that is the picture of living in the blessed life. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to think that. I'm going to think this thought. I'm not going to act like that. I'm going to act like this. It's not just one triumph and we're good to go because we got saved. It's a series of conflicts and victories in our life. And I think a lot of Christians are disillusioned because when they have problems, oh no, Christianity isn't working for me. Oh no, God didn't come through for me. Wait, wait, you're missing the boat. See, you had a wrong expectation to begin with when you thought you were never going to have an obstacle. Nowhere, nada, zero, nowhere in the Bible will you find that kind of understanding of the God kind of life. The God kind of life throughout the Bible is a series of conflicts, but you always come out victorious. And that's what you have to know. We're going to win. We're going to come out victorious. Whatever we're going through, we are the... See, I read the back of the book. See, I already know how this thing ends. We win. We're going to come out victorious. The devil will lose in your life. Jesus will win in your life. And you know that as you're in the heat of the battle, this is going to be victorious for me on the other side. One enemy defeat after the next. We defeat this enemy, another enemy arises. We defeat that enemy, and the one we already beat, he comes back again. And we got to defeat him again. He's never forgotten. Okay, that's, I thought I had that whipped in my life, but he'll come back again and get me. Our blueprint of life is found in the Old Testament. And as we study the Old Testament, the physical, natural realm of reality that we read about in the Old Testament is a picture of the spiritual walk that we have in living life in the New Covenant. And I want to, in the next several weeks, study the blueprint of the Old Testament that's clearly laid out for us. It's going to be a big Bible study. We're going to do a lot of turning back and forth from the Old to the New, from the Old to New, because I want you to see in the Old Testament, what that story is teaching us about life in the new covenant. Our salvation is God parting the water 
us crossing the sea, passing from death in slavery to life in freedom. But we're going to see the crossing of that sea was not immediate life in the promised land. And sad to say, but it seems like a lot of churches have led people to believe that. That when you get saved, you're going to live this God kind of life. It's just going to be instantaneous. And we don't teach people the blueprint of the Old Testament where it's one battle after the next, one battle after the next. But you win. But you win. And, and you got to know that. See, we got, to, and, and the vast majority died in the wilderness and never walked into the promised land. Oh, what? All right, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm looking forward to this next six weeks. Let's get going here. You're saved. You're saved. The question is, will you live your life in the wilderness or in the blessed land? Your entire saved Christian life can't be spent in the desert going around that same mountain. And that is such a picture of the way many, many Christians live. That same mountain, that same mountain. That, and, and whatever their battle was 20 years ago, it's still their battle. Low self-esteem and they just struggle with how they feel about themselves. And they feel so ugly and they have low self-esteem. They just feel so ugly. And it just they, they go around and around that same mountain. And we want to get our life where we live what these, from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. See, where we're maturing in our walk with the Lord, and we're not... Now, I'm not where I need to be. I'll give you that. Woo, I'm a lot further than where I was when I got started. We can't still be in the same place that we were. Now, the, the question is, will you go around that same mountain, or will you live in the blessed land? And we're about to find out that the answer to that question is not up to God. That's not up to God. The question is up to you. God delivered you. Now will you go in and beat Ai and Jericho and the Canaanites and the Hittites? See, we're asking God to do something. That he, okay, now, here it is. And that's what we're going to be looking at in these next several weeks. Genesis opens. The story of Adam and Eve, we're aware of that. When you start reading Genesis... Are you shocked at how quick we read about Noah and the flood? Every time I read it, it shocks me how quick that comes up. Chapter 6. I mean, in five chapters, we screwed the whole thing up. And God's got to wipe everybody out. I mean, well, are you kidding me? Yeah, you know, in your mind, Genesis, and then we know about the flood. But we think that's eons down the road. I'm talking five chapters. And God said, well, I'm sorry I made all these people. Wow. You don't believe in sin. I'm just telling you, you can just see it right there. So chapter 6, I mean, the world goes wrong. We got Noah and the flood. Then we start reading about Abraham. God found a man of faith that he could work through. And then we read about Isaac. And then, dear Lord, then we get Jacob stealing Esau's birthright. Then Jacob had 12 sons. Well, weren't they a piece of work? And then the whole second half of Genesis is about Jacob, his sons, and particularly one son, Joseph, that had a dream. And be careful about who you tell your dreams to. Sure not your brothers. If it has anything to do with them bowing down and worshiping you, you might want to avoid that part. Well, anyway, they sell him into slavery. He goes down into Egypt. 
the world experiences a famine. His vision through favor. Y'all know the story. The whole world is saved from starving to death because of Joseph. So Joseph's family then moves down to Egypt so that he can take care of them. So I'm, we're talking heroes. They saved the whole world from starving, and Pharaoh couldn't have been more happy about having Joseph's dad and his family down in Egypt. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Eventually, a new king came into power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. You know, isn't it amazing how quick we forget? Are you kidding me? How could you ever forget what Joseph did? Next king forgot about Joseph, what he had done. And he said to his people, look, these people of Israel are about to outnumber us. They're stronger than we are. We got to make a plan. Let, let's get us a plan here. And if we, the war is going to break out, they're going to join our enemies and fight against us. They're going to escape from this country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. And they put them to work in slavery. Drop down in verse 13, the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work. So here they were, held captive. There's no way for them to come out of that. They cannot come out. They are enslaved and they can't do anything for themselves. Everybody got that? Hold your place there. Go to Romans 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I don't really even understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, verse 16. But if I know that I'm doing what's wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I know that nothing good lives in me. That's in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing the wrong. It's the sin living in me. Verse 21, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Verse 24, underline this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who? Circle that word. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. We're in the very same situation. God's kids in, um, in the Old Testament, who will free us from being enslaved to the Egyptians? In Romans, who will save us from being enslaved to sin? Who, that means you can't. You can't do anything about your situation. And we saw this lived out in the story of Exodus. So it makes Romans understandable because we know what that situation is like because we read that in the Old Testament. Is that making sense to you? The Old Covenant, the Old Testament under the Old Covenant paints a picture step by step of what we see in the natural unfold in the realm of the spiritual. See, God couldn't just come in and bring in Jesus because we didn't understand our need for Jesus. We had to come to the place where we understood what slavery was about and the need for who 
to come in here and do something that I can't do for myself. See, for all, for 4,000 years, we just tried to keep the law, keep the law, tried to do it our own, tried to do it on our own. Wait, who's going to free me from this? Who's going to free me from this? We need a Savior. Exodus chapter 3, Romans 7, who's going to save us? What are we going to do here? Exodus chapter 3, one day Moses was tending flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. The bush was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said. I've got to go see why that bush is not burning up. I've got to go and see this. Drop down to verse 7. The Lord said to him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt to their own fertile, spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You've got to lead my people out of Israel, Israel out of Egypt. Same conversation he had with Jesus. The cries of my people, you're going to go. I'm sending my son. See, I sent Moses. So Moses, in the natural, shows us exactly what transpired in the realm of the Spirit with God's conversation with Jesus, and then Jesus coming. It's a picture in the Old Testament of exactly what's happened in the New Testament. Moses led out of slavery by the miraculous power of God. We, we got to move on, but you, y'all remember the, he threw his rod down and it turned into a snake, and the water turned to blood, and the frogs, and the insects, and the cattle died, and the boils, and the locusts, and the hail, and the darkness. Y'all remember that? All of that was demonstrating the power of God to free these people. Remember Jesus? They do a miracle. Look. Is it easier to say, I forgive your sins, or to do this miracle? But so you'll know I can forgive your sins, I'm going to do this miracle. The miracles of Jesus were to demonstrate the power of God to free you from your sin. I don't know if y'all get excited about this, but I get all worked up. I, I love comparing the old covenant with the new covenant and seeing what's revealed. Th- then we go into chapter 12 of Exodus, the Passover Follow with me down through chapter 12 of Exodus, verse 3. You have to choose a lamb. Hmm, you have to choose a lamb. Remember John the Baptist out baptizing? He turned around, what did he say? Behold. What? Behold the Lamb of God. See, let's choose a lamb. Behold the Lamb of God. So choose a lamb, verse 5. What kind of lamb? No defects. Had to be perfect. Jesus, Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. Verse 6, he had to be slaughtered. He couldn't just live the life. He had to die. Verse 7, it's not enough for Jesus just to have died on the cross. That won't help you any. You have to apply that blood to the doorpost of your own house. See, you, you, yeah, that was great that we killed the sacrificial lamb, but boy, you're not free. You're not going to be passed over until you 
take that blood and apply it to the doorpost of your house. Well, we're all, no, no, don't lump yourself into all. Have you applied the blood of Jesus to the doorpost of your house. It doesn't matter if your daddy has, your mama has. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. My granddad was a pastor. He was one of the first pastors. Don't, don't give me that. Have you applied the blood of the lamb to the doorpost of your house? See, it's real clear. Real clear here. Oh, you got to eat the bitter greens. It's not all easy. It's not all sweet. Verse 10, you have to eat all of it. Woo, isn't that a concept we need to get today? Jesus is not... A buffet line. I'll have a little of this, but I'm going to pass over that. That's where we are today. We're just kind of picking and choosing what part of God's word we want to follow and what part we want to pass over. No, you eat all of it. You eat all of it. Verse 11, you eat the meal fully dressed. You got to be ready to roll. Now, when the angel of death passes over, are you still sitting on your couch asking God to do something for you? Or are you ready to get up and go? See, you've got, we understand we are co-laborers with him. And there is a part to our exodus that we have to play. You need to be fully dressed and you're going to have to walk. He's not just going to pick you up and pull you out of here. He's going to open the gate, but you're going to have to walk out. The angel of death passed over those that had the blood applied to the doorpost. Back to Romans chapter 7, verse 25. Verse 24, who? Who's going to deliver me? Verse 25, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. And because you belong to him, the power and the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There's our picture. I understand that because I've read Exodus. I understand that because I have a natural, visible picture of how that works when I read the book of Exodus. You read Moses in Exodus. Moses led God's kids out of slavery, stripped Pharaoh and his army of their keys, took them out. They drowned in the See, y'all know the story. It's exactly what Jesus did. Just as Moses went into Egypt and faced Pharaoh, so Jesus went into hell and faced the devil, took the keys away from the devil. He ascends and leads us out of captive. He strips the keys from the devil. It's a story played out right here in Exodus for us, a picture of our salvation. Now we're set free. Numbers chapter 13. Go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord now said to Moses, send the men out to explore the land of Canaan. I want you to underline this. I am giving to the Israelites. Y'all go check out the land. I am giving to you. God, I'm giving that to you. See, God is giving you the promised land. God's giving you the promised land. After exploring, verse 25, after exploring land 40 days, y'all know the story. Men came back, oh, they're giants, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go at once, we're able to do it. No, um, uh, uh, Amalekites live there, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites in the hill country, Canaanites live, well, we just can't do it. We're, 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 we just can't, whoa, we just can't do that. We, we, hold your place right there, go to Colossians. 
Go over in the New Testament. We're going to read the exact same story. Colossians chapter 3. Since we've been raised with Christ, since he has set us free, since we have been forgiven, since we're born again, now put to death, there's some things you're going to have to go kill. You're going to have to go get the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jezebites. See, you're going to have to go in and defeat these things that are keeping you out of the promised land. All right, what is keeping us out of the promised land? Canaanites, Hittites? No, here it is. It's listed for us. Evil desires, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greedy, greedy person because of these sins. The anger of God used to do these things. Your life's a part of them. Get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. See, he lists what we've got to go and defeat in our life if we're going to live in that promised land. Joshua chapter 1, let's go. Let's go and get this promised land. Yes, Moses won the fight. Yes, Moses won the fight with Pharaoh who had them enslaved. But now it's one battle after the next if you're going to live in that promised land. I like Joshua in chapter 18. He says, how long are you going to wait before you begin to take possession? How, how, how long are you going to wait? How long are you going to sit there depressed? I, I, I mean, I've been knowing you 25 years. You've been depressed the whole 25 years. How long are you going to do that? How, how long are you going to let alcohol mess your life up? How, how long are you going to live in bitterness? You've been bitter about what your mom did to you 30 years ago, now 35, now 40. I mean, how, how long are you going to do When are you going to go whip that and live blessed? When are you going to walk in, whip that bitterness? Yeah, it was terrible what your mama did. I'm whipping that out of my life, and now I'm going to be happy. See, when, how long, chapter 18, how long is it going to be before you go in here and get this? Everybody in here is saved, I trust. Angel of death has passed over all of us. We're free from slavery. Here's the question. Are you going to die in the wilderness? That means horrible marriage, financial struggle, depression, worry, fear, unhappy. Is that the way you're going to live your Christian life? Or are you going to, Colossians chapter 3, are you going to drive out anger, dirty language, bitterness, slander? Are you going to drive those things out of your life? Are you going to drive out laziness? See, laziness is dug in there, and laziness will keep you from living blessed. It's going to keep you from living blessed. See, you're selfish. Selfishness will keep you from living blessed. And if you don't go fight that battle and win over the city of selfishness, then you will not be able to possess the promised land. Your temper just flies off the handle. It, you just lose it. Now, you will not be blessed in your marriage with your kids, at your job, you're not going to be blessed. Now, how long are you going to let that temper keep you out of the great promised blessed land that God has for you? God wants to give you a blessed life. Now, you're going to have to whip your temper or you're never going to live there. How, how long are you going to let that temper keep whipping you? How, how long? How long? How long are you going to keep your moods you're moody, you're up and down, and your moods, and dear Lord, we never know what mama's coming in this morning. I mean, is she up? Is she down? Let's open the door and see what kind of mood dad's in today. So it's, it's, it's keeping you from the promised land. And until you whip that battle, see, there's a city of pornography. 
And now if you don't go in and whip that out of your life, it will continue until it wrecks your marriage. It's going to. So you don't whip that out of your life. The book of Joshua is a history of wars. That's what it is. It's a history of wars, and we see those wars spelled out in Colossians chapter 3. Here's what we have to whip in our own life. Joshua chapter 3 verse 10 gives a list. The Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jebusites. That's in Joshua chapter 3 verse 10. If you do a word study on those, the Canaanites worshipped their sexual senses. Woo! Isn't that a battle for today? Just wrecking all of our young people. It's wrecking life. The sexual senses are controlling their entire life. Now, if you don't whip the Canaanites, you can't live in the promised land. The Hittites, that word means fearful, full of fear. The Hittites, that word means full of fear. If you don't whip your fear, Tim, I'm just so afraid. I'm so afraid about this. What's going to happen in this next election? What's going to happen with this economy? I'm just worried about my grandkids. Will they even be able to have a home? I'm just, if you don't whip the Hitt- Hivites out of your house, I mean the Hittites, if you don't whip the Hittites, you will never live happy and blessed and life and life more abundant. The Hivites and the Perizzites, those words means to withdraw, to disconnect. These were cave dwellers. They lived underground. They just withdrew. You know, we see many people just withdrawing from life. I'm just pulling away, withdraw from church, withdraw from friends, just with, and they just close themselves in. The Hivites, if you don't whip that, you can't live blessed. The Gergesites, it's where the Gadarenes in Jesus' time came from. It says they were a house of beasts and they lived like animals. Boy, isn't that today? Living like animals. Are you kidding me? The Gergesites. If you don't go whip these Gergesites, that desire just to live perverted like an animal. The Amorites. It says the Amorite word means to boast of one's self-pride. Have you ever seen such ego? My goodness. The Jebusites. That word means defeated. Trodden underfoot. It'll never work for me. I'll never have a ha- I'll never be happy. I'll never have, will never. It just life was not meant to work for me. It's my lot in life. If these aren't completely driven out, they're going to get you. Okay, where are you? What city is keeping you out here in the wilderness? Let's go over and whip that. Let's drive the inhabitants of that city out so that I can live happy. And if I'm driving bitterness, driving anger, and I've never been this happy. Not because my life is all perfect. It's just because I refuse to let that have an effect in me. I'm driving that out. See, everybody on earth is either overcome or is an overcomer. Because everybody's got problems. Everybody's got twisted off family. Everybody's got a problem finding. Everybody, everybody's got a neighbor. That... Now, you're overcome by that or you overcome it. Life brings obstacles. First step, the most important step, is the blood of a spotless lamb. You have to have that. The blood of a spotless lamb 
applied to your doorpost. Most here have done that. You've done that. But now that you're freed from the slavery of sin, we're going to, in this series, learn how to move from the wilderness into a life of living blessed, happy, full of joy, at peace. Because Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundant. Y'all stand. Well, I'm looking forward to these next six weeks together. It's going to be a great study. Father, we open your word and find direction from your word for our life. Guide us, direct us, as we will live in the land flowing with milk and honey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.